There's been a lot of bad press about Nigeria and her people, especially as it relates to financial crimes. The likes of Hush Poppy and Victor Sobi come to mind. And I find it quite interesting that the proverbial black sheep is given more attention and press, while the activities of hardworking and honest Nigerians largely go unnoticed and unrewarded. So here is a series spotlighting those who are holding the fort and putting Nigeria on the map. Locally schooled globally relevant would have us spotlighting not only those who schooled in Nigeria but also Nigerians whose definition of local is different because they are first generation immigrants. So really, I am interested in having this conversation. What made them globally relevant? What skills did they need to have? How did they get access? Who did they have to talk to? What were their challenges? A lot of questions. I hope you'll join me on the series. It will come up every once in a month. If you know anyone who fits into this category of locally schooled, globally relevant, please send me a DM on, Insta- on Instagram at Blue Ribbon Podcast and we'll take the conversation from there. Hey there, Obakam here. You're welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is Locally Schooled, Globally Relevant 2.0. Based on popular demand, we are back. And we have a very interesting guest today, Olumide Okubadija. It's a very interesting conversation. And it really speaks to the fact that you can be anything and everything you want to be, if only you put your mind to it. I mean, Olumide just took us through his journey from Futsmina to, you know, getting his master's, PhD, landing a role in Spotify, and just like the kind of work he does now and how much affects the world i hope you enjoy the episode if you're interested in anything research interested in tech interested in music interested in all that good stuff and how you can just like pay it forward then this episode is for you locally school globally relevant so who is olumide okubadija he's a research scientist at spotify in paris he's also lead consultant at tegens consulting an artificial intelligence firm based in lagos Olumide specializes in building systems that utilize machine learning, general artificial intelligence, and distributed programming. He holds a bachelor's degree in electrical and computer engineering from the Federal University of Technology, MENA, a master's degree in artificial intelligence and robotics from University of Southampton, UK, and a PhD in artificial intelligence from University Grenoble Alps, right there in France. He's the author of so many research papers, patents, and the recipient of numerous grants and awards. Right, all right, so we're going to jump into the conversation right about now. Get you a pen and a paper. Um, if any part of this episode stood out for you, if you've got any insights, please don't forget to share, tag the podcast at Blue Ribbon Podcast on Instagram. Let's continue the conversation. Yes, so let's have fun. Um, I'll see you on the other side. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, pleasure, it's mine. All right, um, so let's go back to, say, 2015. Did you yeah. think your life was going to be like this um, as at five, six years ago? Um, 2015, one of it, it's interesting you go back to 2015 because it was pivotal moment in my life. Um, 2015 was when I decided to quit my job. I had a job in London, I came back to Nigeria, um, took another job in Nigeria that was of course not as well paying as the one I had previously and I decided I wanted to do a PhD and I wanted to do research. So it was a very interesting decision that made to leave traditional work which I was doing AI in, in the UK and come back to Nigeria and do research and eventually apply for a PhD. I didn't know it was going to turn out like this. No, I expected it was going to turn out like this, right? I, I hoped that it was going to turn out like this, but I didn't expect the kind of struggle and trouble I was going to meet on the way. I didn't expect the journey. I didn't expect the process, but 
I kind of wished and hoped for this day where you know I'm like this in quotes if that means something yeah yeah, that's interesting and i do not know why i went back to 2015 but it's interesting to know that it was a pivotal moment for you a lot of us are scared of like taking low-paying jobs like leaving high-paying jobs to low-paying jobs there's a lot of things that go through your mind when you are you know undergoing that process or going through that journey right scary i mean you're looking at family what society can say leaving london for Lagos. yeah yeah oh my god I think the same with trading, the comfort you have now for what could be, anything could go wrong because you're saying, yeah, uh, although I'm comfortable now, I want to get into a zone that I'm not as comfortable, but then I have enough time to prepare me for what I want to do. It's a huge decision. It was one for me. And uh, you know, people would say, oh, is something wrong with you? First of all, leaving London and saying you were going to come back to Nigeria was just like, dude are you thinking did they jazz you <laughs> and i had people ask me that question like, are you normal you know? <laughs> but in the end i knew what i wanted I knew what i wanted to get at the time i knew that the phd was what i wanted to go for and i knew i wasn't done just at master's level and i knew what i needed to do to get there and i was i'm happy that i had the courage to do it really now looking back yeah we understand that you went to um, Futomina. I want you to just take me through what that was like from Futo to, you know, getting your master's and then your PhD. What was that journey? What was the process like? Uh, it's a very long story. That's <laughs> 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 a very long story indeed. I think to understand um, Futomina at the time, uh, it's essential for me to just take you uh, maybe a year back. Uh, I had always wanted to get into computing. I was one of the lucky few. My dad had been able to afford a computer in um, 2000. He had traveled to Lagos, used the salary to buy one. And, you know, he put it in the house. It was a Pentium 3 desktop, a pretty interesting one. And I started to fidget with it uh, one day at a time. I enjoyed it. And I decided that I wanted to study computer science or something that had to do with electronics. I applied, I got into FUT now. But I had things that I had planned to learn because I'm very big on self-learning. So before I got into FUT now, I was already a programmer. I started programming in 2004, 2005, you know, preparing to go to uni. And getting there, I had a mindset of what I was coming to learn, you know, build stuff, create things. When I got into school, I was a bit disappointed, really. It wasn't what I expected, you know. <laughs> it was different. At that time, because I can be very obstinate as a person, especially when I want to get what I want to get, I wasn't really focused on school. I had what I wanted to learn and I focused on learning it, you know, writing code. I did a lot of code writing uh, for people, for for money. I learned a lot on my own, going to cyber cafe, spending the night, you know, just trying to learn these things. Uh, so everything me now, going to uni was, was traditional for me. I mean, I went to class to pass. One of the things that was very interesting was my final paper where I hadn't been to the class uh, most of the lecture. And I had to write the exam. And if I remember correctly, it was microcontroller programming. And I was so scared of writing something that the teacher did not teach because <laughs> I knew microcontroller programming, but, but yeah, I didn't want to do something outside of syllabus. So after every team, you know, I was already fed up and tired of regular programming. 
because I felt, no, you're just going to pick something off from a database, manipulate it, send it to another database. This is boring. I need something much more interesting, you know, something that kept me up at night. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we watch movies and we see iRobot and we see all those things. I want to do robotics and AI was becoming big in the world. It was just starting off that. And I was like, ah, I want to, I want to do this. Uh, I started checking out schools that I could go to. I saw um, that Tim Berners-Lee, the guy who invented uh, the internet, the father of the internet was at Southampton. And I said, oh yeah, this is where I want to go to. So I did the application, you know, I had to convince them that I had enough background knowledge to take on that course because they were only picking 16 people in the world. It was a huge deal for them. They were not just going to let anybody come who didn't have prerequisite knowledge. Fast forward, got into Southampton, and with all I knew at the time, it was still a struggle. A, studying AI in Southampton was one of the most difficult things I ever did because I had to do twice the reading, I had to do twice the learning. You know, I had to write twice the code because people in my class were just exceptional, best of the best. And so yeah, I graduated from Southampton, graduated with a distinction. I wanted to be, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be the best student because there was there was an automatic PhD scholarship for the best, and I said, ah, oh, this is what I'm gonna get. So I read, I read so hard. You know, spent all my time in the lab. I picked the, the most difficult project, which was um, recognizing people by their gait. So I worked on something uh, where machines could recognize us just by the way we walk. You know, and I fell short by one point. You know, so it was my friend who, who was the best student. I was like, okay, it's fair. And then I started working there, but I knew I wanted to do a PhD because for a course like AI and machine learning, um, there's just so much to learn. There's so much to do. Um, every minute and every moment, you know, we're discovering new ways of creating thinking machines and a master's degree just doesn't cut it. So I wanted to go all the way and I, I had to do a PhD. So I came back to Nigeria, started applying. I was working on research in Nigeria with Professor Ibinu then, working on different things, you know, diabetes, all of it was AI research. Uh, but in the same vein, was trying and applying to all the PhD schools and doing interviews. And I finally got into three um, with a scholarship into three different schools and I had to pick one. It was good. And I asked myself, oh yeah, it will be interesting to learn French. I, I, I don't know how to speak French. I only hear bonjour. It sounds so sexy when you listen to it on, on radio. Like, oh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be nice to have a French in addition to having a PhD or doing a PhD in French? And then, and then I decided to go to France or to come to France. And, um, and then I saw um, that life could be hard. <laughs> That's so risky. Ah, trust me, that was when I knew that there was a level to this hardness, right? <laughs> All I had seen was just child's play. Uh, the PhD was difficult. And nothing prepares you for a PhD, really. Masters never prepares you for a PhD. Yeah, there was a lot, there was a culture shock, of course, coming to France. And I got to the, to the airport and immediately I was, uh, I was, I was an illiterate. I done a lot of Duolingo and I, you know, practicing. And then I get to the border and then the guy says something in French and immediately I just realized I can't read nor write. <laughs> this is it. 
I'm back to square one. But then I was able to navigate the challenges and then it became um, one of the best decisions I ever made. That's beautiful. Like I said earlier, I don't know if it kind of involves to go school in a country. I think French might be a bit friendly well because I learned French growing up even though my, my um, knowledge of French is rusty right now. But I mean in a country where your lingua franca is French, mm. I don't know how I would cope i mean it might be i think it's, it's, it's because it's probably a matter of life and death like you really need to communicate totally understand yeah. I, there are days where i come back home and i say okay you have to improve your french you know uh, imagine you're somewhere and maybe you're trying uh, and this didn't happen or you're or you're getting arrested by the police for instance <laughs> and they're saying explain what you did or someone is saying you did something you didn't do and then you just cannot explain that you didn't do it the one that happened to me was i had gone to the embassy and then there was a mix-up with my birth certificate and then they said oh i had to leave france france can be very um interesting with the bureaucracy and papers and said halfway through my phd they said we're kicking you out of france i was like no you're making a mistake and because i was agitated at that time french just wasn't flowing and i asked the lady can i speak english and she said no speak french. you have to speak french <laughs> and being in that kind of situation i got out of it i got home but then it reinforced the need to actually understand the language and one of the things I, I, I got to realize is one of the gateways to understanding the language is actually understanding the culture. And that was nice because right now I'm, I like it. I like it here. I like the culture. I like the language. I feel more at ease with French than Yoruba. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm more at ease with French than Yoruba right now. So it's grown on me. So did your lecturers communicate in French? Um, no, because it's a PhD, so the PhD basically is we're going to give you research that, you know, go and solve something that no one has solved before and then come back in three years and tell us you did it or tell us what you did, <laughs> right? So, um, more or less, you just have to have maybe weekly meetings with your supervisors and you discuss and then they help you with problems. I was lucky. I had three PhD supervisors, three Italian, four, three Italians and one French, but we essentially communicated in English. Yeah, but there were conferences that you would go for and it would be in French or sometimes you would have to present something and say you have to present in French. But one of the things I usually just did was I introduced my friend, myself in French and I say in French that, okay, right now I'm going to continue in English. <laughs> yeah, so, but learning the language was useful it's useful within the university community and outside anyways there were some researchers that were very particular uh, about french language and will tell you they wouldn't speak any language any other language and you have to communicate with them in french i hope you drop some french before we end the show today um i don't know what you're gonna say but um yeah <laughs> moving on moving on let's talk about spotify and um how you got a role in Spotify as a research scientist. How did that happen? Oh, Spotify. Okay. <laughs> that was interesting. So they had advertised for the role and I'd been doing sound research for a while. So the job I was doing before Spotify, I was in sound, um, machine learning for sound and machine, AI for sound. One thing that people don't understand is it's very different. So uh, machine learning for images, 
is different from machine learning for sound. The principles are sort of different, like what can work on images might not work on sound. So you actually have this micro specializations within the field too. So I've been working on sound and Spotify had advertised a role in Paris. So I decided, well, why not apply? And so I applied for it because uh, of course Spotify is one of the leaders in the field uh, of sound research in the world. So I applied and then we started the process. It was, I think, four interviews. And the interviews got, you know, there were some of them that was just looking at your behavioral patterns, how you respond, what you do, what are your values? Because Spotify is very particular about their values, right? So anybody that is coming in has to have the values that of a Spotifyer, right? And so in those, in those interviews, they're looking at, oh, does it, is, it, is it a Spotify material? Spotify does not value egotists. So, you know, they're looking at how you respond, what you do, and things like that. And then comes the technical interview. For me, those ones are interesting and they're the longest. So then they ask you questions about, you know, sound. Why they're pretty much interesting is everyone who is applying is very far gone in the field, has a PhD. Like during my own application process, we all have PhDs. So the kind of questions that were being asked were very technical questions that resulted in discussions and some of them didn't have any straightforward answer. And so for me, I found those interesting because I, I love to talk about AI and machine learning a lot. So, so, you know, questions like, can you explain convexity? You know, what is convexity? How would you apply the convexity to this problem? Or what does it imply? You know, gradient descent, things like that. People in machine learning don't really understand some of these things. After each interview, um, they keep dropping people, of course. And then in the end, I got uh, the mail saying, yeah, we want you. Do you want? us and I said okay yeah really? yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we a lot of um, why was I doing all this interview if I don't want you like why no a lot of times at, at that level they're interviewing me and I'm interviewing them so I'm interviewing them to know if they're the best fit for me not to brag but at especially in the machine learning field right now uh at that level you hardly are jobless at any point so you have companies especially if you know what you're doing saying we want you so maybe you're going through four different interviews at, at, at a time and when they say we want you and then you can say well i don't want you anymore i don't like your core values so i don't like your culture i don't want i don't want you anymore so I told them I was going to think about it, but uh, it's already, I already knew what I was doing. <laughs> and so I said, yes, and it's been, it's been a nice journey. I love, I love Spotify culture. It's amazing. It's amazing culture. I can imagine. So what does your work, what does your work entail really? And um, how does it affect the world and the grand scheme of things? I mean, it's just easy to say you work at Spotify, but like people really want to know, what do you do? Do you stay and stay coffee and listen to music? Or <laughs> Like what do you actually do and how, how does it affect me? How does it affect someone in, in Canada? How does it affect someone in, in Keja? Mm, um, maybe Canada more than in Keja for now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't mean any disrespect right now. I feel there are quite a number of things that we need to get right in Nigeria right now and it might be difficult for someone to relate to, uh, oh, okay, machines are thinking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yes we do sit down and drink coffee and listen to music all day or <laughs> yeah that's that's a that's a good but you can officially just be on spotify all day and it's part of work but my research or my research team what we're focused on doing is creating um ais or machines that are able to create music so we're looking at how can we create machines or AIs or you know software that can create their own music? And that's not a very easy question to answer um, because it comes down to the question: What is creativity? You know, what do, what does it mean to create music? How does the human creative process go? Are we replicating the human creative process? What exactly are we doing, right? And these are questions that you get to ask every day. That's basically what we do, creating machines that can create music. Now, how does it affect you? Well, let's say there's a musician somewhere in Nigeria. Let's say Don Jazzy. Can I say Don Jazzy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's say Don Jazzy is creating this new nice beats, you know, and he has like a piano line for the beats. Um, but he's been stuck for days on what on the guitar or the drums or he doesn't know what to do with all of those things right he's saying oh i want a clarinet in there but i don't know how to create it i don't know where to put it i don't know what is nice you can have ais that give you these suggestions oh why don't you put a drum there you know oh this beat makes sense or that piano line makes sense or your piano line is not good at this point it really doesn't fit you know those are things that you could do you can have stuff like an automatic dj right and i know that djs are probably hating me right now but i, I might just have a party for 20 people i don't have money to hire a dj you know do i maybe you have money to get an ai dj you might be even be free so those are the kinds of things we work on AIs that can create and it, there's a lot of philosophical questions there's a lot of psychological questions involved and there's also a lot of science involved in, in bringing this thing together do you actually need to ha- understand music to work in this line of work i'm wary about how to answer this question yes and no the yes part is it helps um i would not say it didn't help me i'd i'd been playing the piano in church you know the drums and guitar although it's not in a structured way as you know people go to music school in Europe and I was just freestyling and, and getting invited and being in choir and all of that and I, I would say that it helped because it helps me understand you know what a musical skill is or what a musical note is and and how to create machines that do these things or create machines that understand music but in the grand scheme of things, understanding music is the simple part. And so in a place like Spotify, in a place like Sony, in a place like uh, Magenta Music and Google, although it's an added advantage, right? It's something that we believe you can learn quickly, right? So we, we, we don't see it as a hard part. It's not seen as a hard part. Although if there's someone who knows these things, it's just much easier for you to you know get into the meat of the problem you're trying to solve and dive in but yeah but it's i I wouldn't say it's necessary but it's an input it's an interesting skill to have so we're using anchor right now and anchor is owned by spotify (laughs) i just thought to chip this in do you do any work on anchor as well no i don't i don't i've been trying to get you to move to the one that i'm particularly um i work on (laughs) i work with soundtrap soundtrap is another software that is owned by um 
by Spotify and it's for music creation. Um, it's also used for podcasting too. Uh, I just thought to chip that in. <laughs> but it's uh, it's mainly for music creation. It's big in the US. It's also big in Europe. It's for upcoming musical producers or even musical producers that have already arrived. <laughs> you know, use it to create music. Um, okay, so um, now talking about your business here in Nigeria, Tejans, yeah. Yeah, Tejans, yeah. How do you manage this? How do you how do you run around? How do you manage this? Really, tell me. Wow, it's it's not easy. I mean, it's a lot of sleepless nights. But the thing about it is to have people around you that share your vision and share your dream about you know Africa finally coming to the realization of what we can do with AI and the problems that we can solve with AI. And so I have those people around me. I have Bidemi and Benga. These are people who are constantly running it on a day to day and leaving me <laughs> enough room to have time to breathe. Uh, I think uh, that's the only way uh, I've been able to manage that uh, till now because of you know these people who are on ground and are actually doing the work. You know, while I'm just behind the scenes helping out. Wow, my master's degree. Every morning I woke up, I was listening to a TED talk. You can do it, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so I think it's only fair to you know say thank you to the TED organization for for helping me get through my life. Um, okay, but in all seriousness, uh, yes, there are a couple of resources that help me. Uh, the truth is those resources um, change over time. When, when it comes to AI and machine learning, the resources that I used you know, the, was a book by uh, Modern Artificial Intelligence by um, Peter Novik. I used that in 2014, 2013. But really right now is not, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it because of the way the field is, is changing. I mean, if you're starting uh, machine learning or you're just starting, uh, I would advise you go and read Deep Learning by Ian Goodfellow, Aaron Goodfellow. That's the simplest book out there to get you started. I'm taking note for my tech bros and tech sis that want to go into machine learning and AI and all that good stuff. Yeah, and Python programming is important. I I always say Python programming, but one of the things I do on the side also is teaching. And when I teach, um, there's always this, oh, would you say Python or R? I would say Python programming is better, in my opinion, because it's used by most of the corporations right out there. You know, Facebook, Google, everyone is creating platforms around Python programming to help do uh, machine learning. And deep learning so i think delving deep into python programming is definitely going to help and it's also going to help with employability nice nice rundown thank you so much okay if you were to do anything different i mean in all that you said it's been a very interesting journey and and even though no two journeys are the same this is success leave tracks right but um yeah. i mean if you were to do anything different what would it be oh wow wow let me think hmm I would have started earlier, even in undergrad, I would, I know I, I didn't care as much as many people did about maybe grades, but I think I would have cared less. I should have cared less because out there, nobody cares really, especially in the field of AI and machine learning. Some of the biggest people in the field right now, are university dropouts, <laughs> you know, recruited out of 100 level or 200 level in uni. 
And so one of the things I I would have done different is I would have gone into it earlier, just you know, get deep, get my hands dirty, you know, write a lot of code, fail more. I I, I failed a lot, but I didn't fail as much as I, I should have or I would have loved to, looking back. I would have failed more, tried more. Those are things I would have done differently. I really love this, especially when you talked about failing more. When you start early, you feel early, and it's just really better for yeah, it is. I mean, and, and when you're in the field, you, you really have to be comfortable with failure. Uh, we fail every day. That's what we do. We're essentially masters at failure. We go to the lab and we try one million things and they all fail. You know, and then the one thing that works, you know, you're like, yeah, he's a machine learning guru. <laughs> he's tried he's tried a lot. He's they're having thousands a lot thousands of hours of scientific discussions around the failures that have been emanating from the project day in day out and one of the things that's important to get into the field is you know being comfortable with failure because it's something that happens every single day so finally i think it's my last question um, what advice would you give to people who are looking to pursue this um this path um for who started locally like you did in Nina? someone that is in Yabatek, for instance, what advice would you give, you know, such a one or someone who is like looking to drop out really because they just fell out of school? Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give them? Um, yeah. So one of the things I would say is one, no, don't be scared. It's not above you. You know, people see um, Mission Impossible and then they see some huge gadget or something and like, oh, this is way above what I can do. The first thing you have to do is believe that you can, you can do it. Uh, and having that is a prerequisite for what is to come. You have to have a firm belief in yourself that you can, because there's going to be a lot along the way. I'm not going to promise you that you're getting to the field is going to be over, so you know. I mean, I thought about dropping out PhD twice, you know. I thought about all the stress, that there's been a lot of stress in learning. You, you, you might read a book and then it's telling you, oh, well, the invertibility criterion, you know, the Y, DX, you know, the square Y, and you really don't have an intuitive grasp of what a differential is. And you're saying, oh, I don't understand this, it's too hard, I'm giving up. That's not the kind of attitude. You need to have a firm belief in yourself that will keep you going when these problems arise. Right? And when you have that firm belief, uh, the next thing you have to understand is it's the process that matters, not the result. Because you're never going to get to the end where you can say, oh, I am an expert. I Even I don't consider myself an expert. A lot of people that are above me don't consider themselves experts. And so if you're focused on the end result, just the end, it, it would you'll get discouraged quickly, you know. One of the things is to focus on the growth process, you know, how you're growing, how you're changing, what you're learning, the new things that you can do, the new tools that you're arming yourself with. Oh, today I build face recognition, or I understand face recognition, or I understand fingerprinting better. You know, those, it's the process that matters. And if the process matters, then you have to, you know, think about how to apply yourself daily. Because you know, when when it's the process that matters, it's the small things that you do every day. It's the small uh, 30 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of reading, you know, 
reading an article on machine learning instead of you know doing something else you know that is what counts at that at that stage because especially here you never get to the point where you can say i have fully arrived and so you must learn to focus on the process and appreciate the process and appreciate the growth and do it every day and you've and you surely get there can particularly resonate with um, the line you talked about reading an article rather than doing something else. So like 30 minutes every day, it's just going to make a whole lot of difference. I mean, 30 oh. times 7, so you're reading like how many articles, 7 articles in a week times how many weeks in a year and it just broadens your horizon altogether. I mean, when I was when I was in school, we were always advised to, you know, pick a resource material or something that would expand your knowledge, you know, of the career that you are into or you are doing right yeah yeah so um at this juncture i think i'm done with all the technical questions i feel like i i, I, I just i don't know, I, don't know. <laughs> but, I mean this was really interesting okay we're gonna do a bit of rapid fire here okay um lagos and paris paris now oh, wow uh Ogbeni, uh-uh. oh my god lagos is stressful i mean you you think lagos but then after one week in Lagos, you're like, oh, just take me out of here, please. Especially when you're in traffic and then somebody just bashes you and then you have to come down. Like, why? <laughs> why did you bash my car? Uh, Lagos is stressful. <laughs> okay, LinkedIn and Twitter. LinkedIn. Okay, Spotify, YouTube Music. Of course, Spotify. <laughs> Permission or forgiveness? Permission or forgiveness? Forgiveness. Nice. <laughs> Wealth or influence? Influence. Time or Forbes? Forbes. Okay. You just said you just said um, influence. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, Not Forbes in the way that you. I, Forbes in another way. I was thinking. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. Nice. Nice. That was a good one. All right. Um. Um. Before you drop your social media. Rapid fire is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just supposed to be like five questions, actually. Uh, you wanted more. <laughs> I was just starting. But yeah, it was supposed to be five questions. Friends. Before you drop your social media handles or how we can find you, can you can you speak a bit of French for us? Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle I just relied on the podcast. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. You know, French is, I have to change my voice when I speak French. Uh, maintenant Okay, now I'm shy to continue. No, my mouth is open. Like, yeah, what? Room, you know? like what? What are you saying? Please oh. just translate. What are you saying? I think I forgot. Oh, so I was saying that. Um, uh, je m'appelle Olimide, but um, my name is Olimide. Um, uh, I travaille Spotify. I work with Spotify. Um, it's a nice place to work. Uh, ils sont très gentils. Uh, the people there are very nice. Okay. I live in Paris. I live in Paris. By the time I listen to this again, I'll see how many words I can from that. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, just drop your social media handles on how we can find. So the easiest way to find me is by email. 
I respond to that quickly. Uh, my email is olumidebadejo.gmail.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. You can find me, Olumide's Musings, on Instagram. I, I use that to just pen my thoughts about um, poetry. I, I try to be a different person there. So if you want to have a dose of my poetry, you can go there. <laughs> But then you can also contact me there if you're an Instagram person. I'm not so much an Instagram person, but yeah, if that's all you have, you can send a message there. Twitter, it's Olumide Okubade Joe. Without the O, the last O, there wasn't enough space, so it ends with the J. Olumide Okubade on Twitter. And LinkedIn, my name. That's also pretty fast. I respond quickly on LinkedIn to you. Thank you so much, Olumide, for coming on the show. Um, it was a delightful time with you, and I really, my cheeks hurt from just laughing and just, well, my mouth is open, like, oh, you're so unbelievable. <laughs> um, superstar, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I really enjoyed having these chats with you, and yeah, let's do this some other time. And I really, yeah. um, I think as I cross at how much, how much more space you're going to take up in the world, and in the chosen field that you are in and just written for you and um, wishing you all the best thank you so much for having me here so it was fun it was fun i enjoyed being here really hope to be all back right, enjoy the rest of the day. thank you so much you too